Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm a professor and bodybuilding enthusiast and an author. Hey, Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm a former editor at Muscle Man International, former competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm talking through a mouthful of food. Um, I'm a strength coach, powerlifter, run strength guild, and uh, liftforhope.org. Practice what you preach, man. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> hey, um, lots of news, uh, both from... You know, the science world and just um, sort of, you know, the Iron Army kind of uh, news. Strength and muscle sport news. Uh, I'm going to start with a couple of things that I stumbled across just in my usual work. First, uh, I'm going to share something that's very simple, which is I've mentioned on the show before that Starbucks Via is very caffeinated. I like way more than regular instant coffee. And... uh, (laughs) It's hard to concentrate. I'm looking at a baby Phil on my TV, <laughs> on my screen. That's awesome. Peter screwed. Oh god. Um, but anyway, I actually I, I know a guy in the chemistry department, and we we um, did some HPLC analyses because Starbucks is very coy with how much caffeine is actually in via. And somebody once told me 180 milligrams, but I didn't want to go on just sort of hearsay. So we analyzed the samples. With his uh, equipment, and uh, regular instant coffee has about 70 uh, milligrams uh, of caffeine per 8-ounce cup, I believe. Um, and the Via had, uh, it was close to what I thought. It was 164 plus or minus 3 milligrams per pack. Wow. So sometimes I wonder if they're not being a little bit hush-hush with that because it's part of the marketing, right? I mean, you have a uh, pack of Via, and you're like, woo, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, because you're so wired. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it was cool just to geek out a little bit. We took an afternoon and very painstakingly, you know, measured and diluted and fed into the HPLC. And so there it is, 164 plus or minus three. Uh, I might actually turn that into a little validation poster and share that. In, unless I'm really lost. I, mean, I know some of our listeners that we go back and forth with our Starbucks employees. Maybe this is... Um, more common knowledge than I thought, but when I had originally looked, it was not in nutrition databases. It was not online. You know, I just couldn't find it. So, yeah. so there's a bit of info. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was um, last spring, I think it was. Uh, Phil, it might have been when you and I were talking. I was at the sports nutrition meeting down in Florida. Uh, I, I'm not 100% sure if that was the time, but... Um, I was discussing that uh, these NO products that supposedly mm-hmm. enhance blood flow, they don't really do anything. It might have been when I was talking about the experimental biology meeting. I'm not sure. But anyway, the point being is uh, uh, I stumbled across the paper by uh, Gunderman and colleagues. Actually, it's Rasmussen's lab down there from uh, University of Texas. Uh, anyway, the, the paper was actually published in May 2012, so it's not spanking new, but I did just – 
see it. It's nice to see there's an actual paper because, of course, you know, the claims with all these pre-workout products is, you know, you get this massive vasodilation, you open up your vascular beds and, it, you know, it carries in nutrients and you get huge. Well, mm-hmm. no, no, it doesn't. Um, and here's the paper actually that I, I saw presented. It says blood flow restriction to contracting skeletal muscle during low intensity exercise uh, increases muscle size and strength. So there's, you know, we know that, right? If you, if you occlude a muscle, it's with it like katsu training. There's different ways to go about this, but, um, and then, the, the thought was maybe when you reopen the vascular bed, there's this big rush of blood, and uh, and that causes the growth. Well, apparently that's not. Although blood flow restriction training does cause some growth, it's not because of the vasodilation that happens afterward. It says they took six young men, 24 years old. They did this uh, blood flow resistance kind of exercise, and they used sodium nitroprusside. Now, this is a drug that will completely open vascular beds. So, I mean, wow. You know, this isn't just a little bit of arginine, right? Um, so they wickedly open vascular beds. It says post-exercise mixed muscle fractional synthetic rate from the vastus lateralis, right, so the outer quad, increased by 49% in the blood flow restriction trial. And here's the kicker, with no change in um, the sodium nitroprusside trial. So even when they very potently open up your vascular bed, massive, massive vasodilation, no different um, from, you know, the contralateral leg, so the other leg. So just not exciting. And uh, I don't know. I, I think, frankly, I was having a discussion with a student the other day that they put the NO stuff in a lot of caffeinated pre-workout stuff, almost to kind of hide the effect that it itself probably isn't doing a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you're jacked on the caffeine and everything else in there. And um, but anyway, I, I just wanted to share that. Yeah, Journal of Applied Physiology, May 2012. Um, no change in you know m- muscle protein synthesis, even with a vicious uh, vasodilation drug. So anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. And then let's see what else. The other paper I have here. Um, it's also a 2012 paper. It's from Nick Bird, who we just had on the show not that long ago. And Nick was mentioning time under tension. And if you overdo time under tension, it'll sort of go bad and you're, you're, you'll stimulate like aerobic systems in your muscles instead of just the, you know, um, myofibrillar proteins that most lifters are after. And th- this paper, um, is from McMaster, uh, where, where Nick was. Um, anyway, eight men, 24 years of age, body mass index was 26.5, so they're not real thin. They did three sets of leg extension exercises. Uh, one, they did six-second uh, repetitions, and the other one, uh, they controlled for the same amount of total work, but they did one-second uh, duration reps. Um, and then they gave them 20 grams of whey protein immediately after, did some needle biopsies. Basically, they just want to create the right situation for, for growth. And it says uh, myofibrillar protein synthetic rate was higher in the slow versus the faster control uh, 24 to 30 hours into recovery. So I think that's pretty interesting stuff that the slow reps are really kicking up protein synthesis. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I don't see a ton of powerlifters necessarily doing. But for guys that are into bodybuilding just after the, um, the hypertrophy, it says these data show greater muscle time under tension increase the acute amplitude of both sarcoplasmic protein actually and mitochondrial proteins 
and resulted in a robust but delayed stimulation of myofiber protein synthesis 24 to 30 hours after the resistance exercise. So, nice. so Nick is publishing this stuff too. Uh, so that's some stuff on blood flow, some stuff on time under tension. I mentioned the caffeine thing. Um, and the other thing I wanted to bring up to you guys, there's a couple of th- points here from our, um, our listeners. Um, one guy on iTunes, and everybody, I was mentioning this before we hit record, uh, and I believe we had an email about it too, was sort of a similar theme. They were saying, we wish you guys would disagree more with your guests and with each other. And I find these comments sort of odd. I've mentioned before on the show that we have sort of a no-hate policy, but I think something that's important for listeners to understand is that we don't invite fools, usually, on the show. I mean, they're accomplished athletes or they're published scientists, um, and I'm not sure why we, we would be viciously disagreeing with most of them. Now, we have had some guys on the show which I would consider more industry people or even closer to the guru side of thing with their theories, but um, I'm not sure why you would expect us to, uh, you know, disagree with people. We're having them on the show because we think they have value. <laughs> yeah, this isn't Jersey Shore. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Um, exactly. Yeah, where they, we purposely throw somebody in so we can just bash them. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I just don't see much of a contribution with that. I mean, the industry is already full of people disagreeing with each other because they think that makes them look smart or courageous or something and i i don't think we need to do that i mean we're not going to invite fools like i said and as far as disagreeing with each other the three of us have all been around the block for a very long time we've interacted with a lot of the same um frankly high caliber people you know Mm -hmm. coaches and scientists and and so we tend to be careful what we say and we come to a lot of similar conclusions in fact many of our guests will have simple conclusions like you know keep it simple Eat yeah. lots of food, you know, lift heavy weights. I mean, these are going to be well, principles, yeah. right? I mean, exactly. And that's what I was, you know, get at is, you know, even all the coaches I know and I network with, most of us on the principal side of things, we all pretty much totally agree. It's when you start splitting hairs on, on little things, you know, that sure that we don't, we find different things work for us. But you break it down to the, to the bare bones level and the principles are usually always the same in what works and what doesn't. And from the academic side of things, I mean, by the by the time something becomes a training principle, you know, like specificity uh, or or diminishing returns as you get more advanced, or you know, yeah, we say if Rob or Phil or I go on about a theory, if we speculate, it's just smart to say this is speculative. You know, Rob, I don't know how you feel about that. I don't know if you think we should disagree more with. Well, one of the reasons that you and I are such good friends for such a long time, and uh, Phil to to a a fewer years degree, Mm -hmm. um, is because we do agree on most everything. Yeah, (laughs) guess it's a point, right? We're we're all doing this together for a reason. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I wanted that study I mentioned to you, Lonnie. I found it, and I I think it's worth mentioning. Um, It was uh, published in JAMA. So what is that, the Journal of American Medical Association, I think it is? Um, yeah, anyways, it's, you know, they, they overfed people, three groups of people for 56 days. Um, and they ate, it looks like close to 800 calories over what they normally should. 
Um, anyways, just to break it down, they all gained weight, of course. They had a normal protein diet, a low protein, and a high protein. They all gained weight. Um, the low protein diet, they gained a total of 3.16 kilograms. Um, the high protein people gained 6.5 kilograms. Of lean? Um, of, no, total weight. Okay, total. Um, and the kicker is they all gained the same amount of fat mass. All three groups. Hmm. So what was left over was, you know, the, the high-protein side gained a lot more lean mass. Um, and the normal side wasn't too bad. They were only about a half kilo behind. So normal, the so-called normal protein diet. Um, so your so. point, or their point then, is that overeating... Overeating, you'll gain weight. ...like a certain amount of lean mass gain. Yes, just, just overeating itself. And we talked about that before. I think it was, uh, God... Oh, Probably three years ago, freaking Anthony Almada was on. And actually, I've given data on that, uh, actual yeah. references about that in episodes past. Maybe somebody on our Facebook page can point out which one they're usually good about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's no doubt. There's good science behind that, right? If, when you overeat, and it's interesting what you're saying then. I mean, you overeat anything. I mean, because carbs sort of are, to me, mostly just calories. Yeah. I mean, they would be insulin, insulinogenic, insulin producing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's, let me find it here. I mean, even the low-protein group, lean mass, overeating period by lean mass decreasing. And the low-protein group diet compared to, they grain 2.87 kilos mm-hmm. of lean mass. And the high-protein side was about double that. Okay. So just, and that's, you know, ignoring training. You know, these guys were just eating people. Right, and that's what we had mentioned in the past, right? Even yeah. without the lifting stimulus. Yeah, yeah, but just overeating, you're going to gain muscle. Yeah. yeah. So, and you add in a stimulus, and then it's even more on your side. So, yeah, it just goes to the side of, uh, you know, high-protein stuff. And then Mike, uh, our good friend uh, Mike Nelson goes on and mentions some stuff in this study and things. But, uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting seeing, uh, especially me, because right now, that I mean, my, my sole goal in training is not, it's just get my body weight up. Right. Um, I'm training less for that purpose. Um, I'm doing I'm doing brief training three days a week with nothing else in mind but get my body weight up to 280. That's a good point, and I know Rob, well here again agrees probably. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, one of the best ways to get yourself in a positive energy balance is just you know so you can actually have the excess calories to grow is not to train your butt off three hours a day six days yeah. a week. Yeah, you know? and that's I've seen that problem people. They think, oh, I'm going to gain a bunch of weight, so I'm going to start eating, and I'm going to start training even harder. <laughs> and they just, they end up in, you know, the, there is no surplus. Exactly. Yeah. Because they bump everything up at once. So I've made my training very basic. You know, I go in, I squat, I press, and I deadlift on three different days. And that's about it. Yep. And then I eat. And, you know, I've gained 15 pounds well, in I the know, last month and a half. I know all three of us can really pound back the food, but at some point, you're shoveling food constantly, you know, mm-hmm. Rob, like Rob's joke before, you know, you spend all day in the freaking toilet, you know, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> in the toilet, in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, and then at that point, there's only one other way to get in a further positive calorie balance, and that's to stop burning them all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, and yeah, that's my goal is, you know, get, get my weight up there, and then from there, try and maintain and start adding activity on once I'm there. Right. So. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to mention one last thing 
uh, listeners. By the way, there's two topics that we've been floating around, and I, I'm not clear. Maybe we could just touch on both of them um, when we do get to the topic the day after the break. Uh, one one topic is going to be, you know, how do you deal with gyms that are overcrowded, truly overcrowded, like after work? Um, I just thought that would be an interesting topic because it's something I run into uh, lately because of work. And the other one was conditioning, you know, some pros and cons about different kinds of conditioning and, and that kind of thing. But I wanted to say one more thing before we do go break. Um, on our Facebook listeners page, Brian uh, mentioned uh, he was very impressed, I think, that Phil broke the 275 barrier. And he was saying in, honest, or in um, honor of that, we should do a biggest gain kind of challenge. Um, and then I just chimed in and said, you know, it'd be nice if, if, if you're close to 200 and you've never broken that barrier, maybe you should do that because we're coming up on our 200th episode. Mm-hmm. So, it, listeners, if you're interested, hop on our Facebook page and sort of pledge, you know, <laughs> pledge your commitment to breaking the 200 barrier if, if you have it before. Or if that doesn't apply to you because you're way, way below that or you're already above it, maybe 20 pounds. I just thought it would be a cool sort of thematic thing for our 200th episode. My yeah. God, can you 200, you guys? I know. Uh, but anyway, I like it, Brian. Let's let's do that. So, at listeners, if you want, hop on the thread. I think he already started one. And say, hey, I'm in. I'm going to commit to, you know, a 20-pound gain. Uh, we could put a realistic time frame on it, too, because if some of you are advanced. I mean, I just mentioned the principle of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. Maybe we make it like July. You know, yeah. we put a nice time frame on it so you can power yourself up. Yeah. Um, because obviously there's ways to gain 20 pounds this month, but not everybody's going to have uh, desire or access to those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, let's uh, let's go with that. Uh, I think that's a good idea. Biggest gainer okay. challenge. I, I'm I'm dangerously close to 220, Phil. I told you I'd be 217. Came out. Nice. 217 today. Really? Um, yeah. Ooh. Nice. I told you guys I was going to get to 215 awesome. and hold it there a few months ago. Yeah. I'm not full of it. Now, I'm fat. <laughs> I'll tell you that. But um, not just, you know. Yeah. So, like Phil was saying, overeating, it, get, it does get you somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go to break quickly. We'll come back and we'll tackle those two uh, topics. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Hello, Iron Radio listeners. This is Dr. Lowry. I just want to offer an update on the Protein and Resistance Exercise book that you hear about in ads at the end of the show. The publisher and I realize that the textbooks have become expensive. This one's $99. So individual electronic chapters have been made available for $20. US As with Iron Radio, my primary drive here is to get valid, 
reliable information into the hands of fellow lifters. So if you simply Google CRC Press Protein, you'll find the page where the book is sold. By clicking on ebook purchase at the right, you'll be taken to a page with free introductory parts of the book, as well as each chapter in electronic PDF format. There's also links uh, to other sources in this version. So whether you're interested in an academic heavy hitter like Dr. Peter Lemon sharing protein's history and strength training, or you're a biochem nerd like me and you want to just look at chapter two on protein synthesis and breakdown, or if you want to cut to the chase and get to a chapter on using protein weight control or case studies, you can now do so for just 20 bucks. So please check out CRC Press Protein and see which chapter topic may interest you. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, everybody, we are back. The tremendous triune. We're going to, uh, <laughs> that's sort of <laughs> bragging. That's yeah. I apologize. The point is, there's two topics that we are going to, uh, tackle. One is how you deal with a, a super packed gym. And I would love to hear what you guys have to say about this. I have a few thoughts, but I will tell you this. I've been forcing myself into the gym, uh, Fairly late at night, you know, for me, like 7 p.m. after work, you know, I've always got this conundrum. Do I caffeinate on the way home and get a decent workout but then don't go to sleep until 2 a.m., you know, or yeah. do I not have any caffeine and just struggle through it, you know, something very mediocre. But in addition to that, I walk through the doors and, I mean, there are – well, Rob, you'll understand what I'm saying. That little parking lot at Bodybuilders there, the other night there was 22 cars in it. Oh my God! You know what yeah, I mean? Guys are shoulder to shoulder. Um, I don't know, Fortress. What do you do about that? Have you have you training commercial gyms, right? You know, I, I I've always kind of trained it off hours, and I've always found that most of what I'm doing anyway is away from the masses in the rooms. So I don't really have a problem with that too too much. Uh, it, actually, it's interesting you say what you say because just last week I went to the gym, and it was uh, it's right beside a big cinema theater. And uh, it was a Saturday night, and I, uh, yeah, I couldn't for the first time. I couldn't find a parking spot because everybody was using that parking, the gym's parking lot for the uh, for the movie theater. So, but you know what? That made me feel a little bit elite that they were going to eat popcorn and drink coke and sit on sit on their asses, and I was going to squat. So yeah. <laughs> there you <Yeah>. go. <laughs> yeah. Now, Phil, have you? It's probably been ages since you trained at a commercial gym. Oh yeah, it's been a while. Um, and the last time, no, I can. You know, me now, it's totally different. Like, it got packed here, so what did I do? I built another building. Um, <laughs> no, we expanded. There you, there's a solution. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, back then, what I'd do is just simplify things. Like, if it was squat day, I'd just, just do nothing but squat. I wouldn't worry about, and then I don't have to bounce around. I can just go find my area and just own it and make sure whatever I do, I can do it right there with that one bar. Um, so I didn't have to go fight for this area or that area. You know, once I had it, it was mine. Yeah, um, and I just wouldn't freaking leave. And you want it? Fine. Wait till I'm done. Um, 
I'll tell you, Phil, one of, one of my mistakes the other night, because it's been so packed, is I was supersetting back and forth. You know, mm. I like I like to train yeah. off like that. I'll do yeah. curls and I'll go do push downs or something. Yeah. Uh, and these two young guys, they're you know they're very aggressive. They're they think they're way bigger than they probably are. You know, yeah. and they're over there. I, I was just trying to do burnout with some push downs, and and yeah. I went over there and they, they're on the machine, and I just I just walked over and I was just so irritated. I just stood right in front of them. I let the guy finish his set and I said, I'm. I'm still using this. <laughs> you know, I don't mind yeah. if you guys use it, but I'm getting in my last set and I'm getting it in now. Yeah. Uh, but that just is, it's just a pain in the butt. Now, but again, maybe that's a lesson, right, for me or for people who are in that situation is don't even, don't even try it. You know what I mean? Like you said, set yeah. up shop like a freaking picnic in the squat rack. Yep. Absolutely, man. Yep. Yeah. We used, to, we used to do that a lot when I was a young guy. We used to go and, uh, I remember Gary Stridham once had an article where he said back before he moved over to North America when he was in South Africa, they would go all the time to the gym that they used to train at, and he'd, they'd bring big buckets of chicken, cold chicken breasts, and orange juice. I'll never remember, forget those two things. So cold chicken breasts and orange juice. And, and they'd, sit, they'd sit up uh, around the squat racket. They'd sit up like you know all, all their little benches and stuff, and they'd, they'd squat all day. Yeah. And like eat. Like, you know, maybe they'd do two sets, you know, like uh, in succession in five, ten minutes, and then they'd wait maybe 45 minutes, then do another set, then wait another hour. They'd just keep eating and drinking orange juice all day and squatting. <laughs> I thought that was great. Yeah. That, that it, when I said picnic, I didn't mean literally, but that's true. You could have a, at the very least, like your protein drink, a gym bag, yeah. stuff to sort of claim your territory, I guess. Yeah. No, and I mean, then, nope. you know, I'm in a different situation, so, but we get packed in here, like today, they're still out there getting after it but uh, you know i had 20 people in a pretty small area and it's just teaching people and we keep going pretty good and it's just we you go you adjust the bar the next person goes and you know it's just but that's just a matter of the coach training training your people how to do that um so yeah 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 i'll tell you the other thing that i i've come to realize and i know it's not a perfect solution to this crowded gym dilemma but i've got a plan b and even lately, I've been on plan C, which means, like, if I go in there to squat, and Rob, again, you know what I'm talking about, if the powerlifting room is just full of guys, and, I mean, there's no way I'm going to be able to horn in there and set up shop. I mean, they're there before me, yeah. and there's so many of them. Well, then plan B is, well, then I'll leg press. Yeah. You know, I mean, that really throws a monkey wrench in in my situation because I've literally been – I wanted to start squatting more regularly, so when I come out to see Phil – uh, we should mention that, of course, too. Yeah. Um, you know, I can, I'm loose and now that I'm, you know, I'm 44. By the way, everybody, Rob is 43, so wish him happy birthday. Oh, yeah. Uh, I share my birthday today with Wayne Gretzky and Eddie Van Halen. Woohoo! Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, hockey and rock and roll, that's all very Canadian, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Uh, anyhow, um, I, I just I wanted to stay loose and just kind of get in the swing of it. You know, you got to kind of get in training, and it's just yeah. frustrating me beyond belief that I have to go do a leg press. And then, like I said, then I look and there's there's always you know a, some kid on the on the leg press, mm. and then so I have to have a plan C, which is usually some kind of like hammer leg press or yeah. you know what I mean. It's almost like you you almost got to have like diminishing levels. Like you don't want to go straight to the leg extension <laughs> machine, yeah. so. You know, I, I've actually got plan A, B, and C, but it's just wreaking havoc on 
any kind of real progression plan. Well, I mean, that's even a good... I think everybody should have that plan anyways um, in place. For a person like me, I'm always battling something due to my hip and my, you know, just my background. So I always have these plans ahead of time because if not, you come in and it's like, okay, it's my day to squat. And if, if my hip's just hurting that day, I've got to, instead of just sitting there and sulking about it, it's like, okay, plan B. Yeah. Okay, if yeah. plan B doesn't work, okay, plan C. Because it's better to do something than nothing. Um, yeah, so sometimes. Some, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes, not always. Sometimes yeah, it's just I mean, better. Just sometimes it's up. just better to come back and fight. To walk day. away. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, you know, I, Rob, and and no. there's another possible solution is, I've got, I've got my workout set up where I'm on a four day a week sort of split, and it well it's a three way split but over four days. You know, so I would yeah. repeat, and then one of the days like if I tra- if it's just not happening, you know, like after work I worked for twelve hours, I mistimed my caffeine, all this other stuff. It's too late. Or the gym's too full. I have the option to say, screw it, I'll come in Friday night. Yeah. You know, like an, so I maybe have that spare night that you can shift back and forth. I know not everybody can do that, but that's been saving my butt because I am hell bent on getting in there four times a week because all throughout the fall I was doing three times, you know, so I'm like, I've got to go four. And like you were saying, Phil, this is one of those times where it is better to do something than nothing. Yeah. Um, I'm almost putting Chad Waterberry's sort of theories to the test in that my, I'm upping my frequency, but I am not getting stellar intensity workouts. Yeah. You know, so um, I don't know. So we'll, we'll see what happens. May, you know, maybe I'll, I'll surprise myself and actually make some gains. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's just a tough one. You know, it's just a tough one because well, I mean, they have as yeah. much right to be there as, you, as we do, you know. Exactly. So. And you guys don't have the, you know, you just can't walk away until... The first eight weeks of the year is over, and all those people are gone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. sooner or later, here pretty quick, it's going to be empty again. But you know what? That is, um, it's just, it's just, it, it's just so true that cliche and stereotype. You know, yeah. I mean, I notice it especially here. You know, after Christmas, just the place gets packed. Yeah. You know, and then like literally, like it's like, yeah, like you say, like three, four weeks later, it starts thinning out. It's amazing. Yep. Yeah, maybe there's. I never actually, you guys thought about that recently, because that's of course true every year. And I never thought there might be some sunshine on the horizon there. You're right. By the time you get past Valentine's Day, most of the uh, New Year's resolution jumps are gone. Yeah, they've already given up. So, yeah. 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 So maybe it will thin down. Uh, oh, oh, you know what else, too? I took a page from Phil's book, too. This would just be my final suggestion. But take that weekend day uh, where you could go in on sort of off hours, hopefully, mm-hmm. and make that your rocking day. You know, like yeah. if if it's not... Stellar workouts at 7 p.m. in the middle of the week because, you know, you're fried after work. Saturdays, you can usually set up a nice little hour before, hour after, you know, just the whole ritual and then just go kick butt. And that that's actually what I was able to do today. It felt that's really a, good to actually go train hard today, you know. Oh, my, that's my biggest day is right after I get off the show till whenever we're done. Yep. Um, because of me, I mean, what I fight is my ever-growing crowd is people I have to coach. So it's harder and harder and harder and harder for me and and my wife to get our training in. Yeah, I, you know, that's I, what I, always, find. I always wondered that about you, man. You got so many people to train. Uh, yeah, so many. Um, not only to find the space for you to do your own training, but does the other train? Because I used when I used to do personal training, and I used to do it at, at much less volume than you did, um, yeah. and certainly less strength oriented than you did. I did more mainstream type people. Mm-hmm. Um, do you not find that you're just exhausted for your own training because it's almost like you're training when they're doing their stuff? 
Yeah, well, and that's one thing I thought I tried for a while, and I just can't do that because then I find myself just coaching. Um, and then my sets are just screwed. I'm not in the right mindset, this and that. So I had to set aside times when I have a couple people that I train with that, that come to the gym and are my clients, and we're very much doing a lot of the same things, and we feed off each other real well. Um, but like this morning, I used to train with all the people at 1230, and now I just don't because we got 15 people, and I'm bouncing around so much, I just can't keep my attention on my own thing. And I can't. they're paying me to do it, so I can't just ignore them and do my thing. You know, because I'm I'm here to be their coach, so I have to I had to adjust my schedule to uh, so I can get mine in and be serious about it. So, you know, it's it's off hours type stuff now. Right, you are in a unique situation because it's not like you can just there's not just some fool in front of you just want to palm his face and shove him out of the way. Exactly, <laughs> he's, he's palm one of his face and shove him. You know that reminds me of the story you told me once about what you did. With Don't say guy. it, Rob. Don't. Do oh. it. <laughs> come on. No. come on, man. Tell the story. Tell the story. Uh, people are going to think I'm a huge jerk. Well, you were, but you were. You, you have an excuse because that was ancient, ancient stuff. It's, I was young, and there was. It, it wasn't out of anger, you know. I was just very calm about. It. Uh, all right, here it is, quickly, mm-hmm. and I apologize in advance. But yeah. there was um, some obnoxious kid, and he was on the seated cable roll machine. And my brother and I are training real hard, and it, it came up. That's what I had to do, you know. So I'm kind of waiting or doing an extra set, you know, whatever I need to do, stretch. And this kid's just still on the machine. And so I calmly walked over, and, you know, and he looked up at me, and I put my hand on his forehead, and I shoved him off the machine with a scoop. <laughs> Motion. <laughs> oh, wasn't, I wasn't inviting a fight, nothing. I just removed him out of my way, you know, like a bulldozer kind of. Oh. And I sat down and used the machine. But he had a hundred chances to leave. Yeah. Uh, and again, yes. And so I, I don't recommend that, but sometimes it's called for. It's almost like self-defense. You know, at some point you have to, um, I don't know, uh, take what's yours when somebody's trying to take what's yours. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, let's quickly move on from that to um, conditioning. Uh, I had mentioned this earlier. I'm curious about, you know, how you guys go about conditioning. Rob, you've mentioned running in the past. Um, as a big man, of course, yeah, you know, you're almost at maximal aerobic capacity just when you jog. But is that your favorite, just going for like a walk-jog or just out, outright run or – uh, my favorite. That's a weird word when you talk about running and me. Um, you know what? I actually like just doing, uh, if I do do it, uh, at a very moderate pace for, you know, no more than a one or two kilometers, you know, maybe a mile, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just like the kind of concept of, uh, the open air and kind of that, that feeling you get at the end is, is, is worth it, you know, cause you, you feel like you're a champ for a few hours afterwards, but, um, but certainly you can overdo it, and certainly when you're very large, you can't do it often. When I am running regularly, it's no more than once or twice a week, to be honest with you. Yeah, so, okay, that is interesting to me, though, that you'll you'll just knuckle down and just do, you know, a kilometer or two. For us Americans, that's about a mile and a half. Um, and then, now, Phil, I'm guessing you're more creative with pieces of equipment or something, or is that not correct? Nah, I'm with Rob in that I like getting outside. I just don't run anymore. I used to run, 
And one of the greatest things I ever heard was my doctor telling me not to do anything stupid like go running um, <laughs> because of my hip. Oh, sweet. You know, I was like, I don't know. I have an excuse. Right. Um, no, if I'm doing it, it'll be right now. I do so much. I own a farm now as well as my gym. So my conditioning is like, okay, we need heat. So I'm going to go chop wood um, type of thing. Like last Sunday, I spent three hours cutting down trees and chopping wood. Um, and so that's you know, actually the, part of the program then for you. It's not in addition. You're like, listen, why would I go walk on a treadmill? I got wood to chop. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've done stuff like that for a long time. Um, call it, I guess, constructive cardio. It was like, why not just do something constructive and then you're, you know, go build something. It's just something I enjoy. You know, I've dug ponds by hand and stuff like that just for, just for that reason and because it's neat to have a pond now. But, um, <laughs> right, like you said, constructive, you get something out of it in the end. Imagine, yeah. imagine what like our grandpas would do, would say if they watch people on ellipticals and treadmills. Exactly. Like, you're not going anywhere. This is stupid. You're foolish. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I'll go, you know, I'd rather chop wood or, you know, I'll go put up a fence. I'll go build, you know, I built my addition myself and things like that. I'm remodeling my upstairs. But as far as equipment goes, it's, you know, we'll go out and it depends on my person, my athlete. Like, my heavy people won't run um, that are into, say, powerlifting and stuff like that. Uh, we might do some short sprints, sled drags, stuff like that. I like I like loaded sprints in the meaning of, like, pushing something or pulling something. Um, a lot less injury rates there um, than just regular sprinting. Um, so, you know, we might pull a car, pull a sled, whatever. Um, swings, I like kettlebell swings. I think it's about the only thing I use a kettlebell for is swinging. Um, things like that. You know, we'll mix mix some stuff up. My regular people, my lighter people, I'll do, uh, you know, throw together some s- circuits type stuff. You know, they might do what was yesterday's. Yesterday was like run 50 meters, 10 push-ups, run 50 meters, 10 rows, run 50 meters, 10 push-ups. Type of thing. Yeah. For for five minutes. I struggle with that myself exactly. because you know how we've talked about not doing junk reps or junk sets before. Yeah. And when you do stuff that's so light that you're yeah. just sort of doing it to burn calories, it makes me wonder. Maybe I should just be doing this. Uh, you know, just be going for a, a run or you know what I mean, or doing some traditional piece of cardio equipment or. Yeah, something that's the instead. hard part. It's just about what are you doing it for? Too is my big thing. I don't like having people do stuff like that just for doing stuff like that. Yeah. You know, just because they think they should. So mine's definitely based on my my Gen Pop people. Sure, I'll, I'll we'll do strength based stuff, and then we always end with some kind of strength endurance mm-hmm. um, or conditioning for lack because they're just looking to be in general shape. You know, and, that's and a then, good point because it's not like those guys are hammering their shoulders or elbows with heavy benches. Yeah, or, you know, or whatever. You know, I mean, so, then, I mean, not to the extent that your competitors would. Yeah, and and then my powerlifters or whatnot, it'll be simple stuff. Like I got one gal now, she's she needs to drop some weight, so what she does is she'll go drag a sled for fifteen months. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just put weight on a sled and walk. You know, stuff like that. So it's things that doesn't doesn't harm our other training, but it's burning some calories and getting some conditioning in. And I'll tell you um, winter time isn't a, anybody's favor really with a lot of this stuff right now either. No, it's, and that's a lot of our stuff has moved inside. Yeah. Um, it's a very daily dependent, which, you know, what I'll program. So I, I changed a lot of our conditioning work and fit it for just inside stuff. Um, right. Yeah. Well, a lot of swinging, you know, so swings I think are great. It's I do stuff you can't screw up. Mm-hmm. You know, like nobody's going to 
anybody can sit there and swing a kettlebell and not really jack it up. Like specifically, can you explain to listeners what are they doing and for how long? Well, like, you know, the same gal, she has to do five minutes of kettlebell swings. Okay. You just swing a kettlebell for five minutes. Whereas, you know, I, you get some of the people, the CrossFit, for instance, you know, they might be doing a 10-minute thing where they're doing skilled moves like snatches and this and that. And I just don't believe in that. Um, I spend too much time trying to get my people to do do those activities well to screw that up and put them on our, a clock. Right. Um, so That reminds I, me when I was in track, when I used to pole vault, my coach used to say, Lowry, don't, don't pole vault when you're fatigued. You yeah, know, because you're gonna exactly. you're gonna be using the wrong motor patterns and just screwing yourself up. And exactly. So I'll use mindless. It's just finding mindless moves that nobody can screw up. Um, like everybody can sit down and squat with their own body weight, and you'd be amazed at how much you you can get your heart rate up by just sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up. You know, stuff like that. Body weight squats, push ups. Not many people can mess up a push up. Um, burpees, even. You know, lay burpees. down on the floor. <laughs> lay down on the floor. Stand up. Lay down on the floor, stand up, and it's you know, they're yeah. hard. And you know, and you know you what? Know, it's just it, easy, it, hard work. People don't realize how hard that is to do if you're doing it in like a very dynamic kind of like quickened pace. Oh yeah. You know, especially the bigger you get, you know, doing that can be an amazing, amazing workout. Yeah, it, no, it can, and they're just horrible. And but there's nothing. They're simple and horrible. You know. You know, Phil, I think that's a good point. You get stuff that's sort of. Um, like you're talking about swinging kettlebells or stand up and, and lay down. These are, these can be very smooth, non-jarring movements. Yeah. Where you can just get, you know, the conditioning going. Yeah, and exactly. That's a lot of my conditioning stuff is not things that are going to jar your body and beat you up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's it. I'd rather load somebody, you know, if pulling a sled's too easy, okay, let me put another plate on. Now it's not too easy. Go walk. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and then we're not beating up our joints more than we already are. Yeah. So, and that's what I meant about, you know, because I always struggle with, well, could I just, you know, do more sets and train real fast and go all through this? You know, I yeah. just, that doesn't really fit with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you, I've actually been doing some stuff at the gym. Uh, people might laugh. This doesn't seem like a particularly manly thing, but I'll, I'll use an elliptical because it's mm-hmm. so smooth and non jarring. You know, I mean, I could, I could run on the treadmill. But yeah. if my ankles are hurting or whatnot, now not that worth- I'm a little heavier, my ankles are hurting me. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned a few months ago that when I, I moved a lot of stuff onto a moving truck, my feet were killing me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the point being is it, it's so it's such a smooth motion, and I can use you know maximum yep. amount of muscle mass at any given time because I'm a you know the upper body involvement and stuff. Mm-hmm. Again, it doesn't sound very particularly manly, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I would literally do stuff like even or uh, intervals on like a stepper. Or on a on elliptical where you know just all out for thirty seconds and then just kind of cruise for two or three minutes. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I, sir, I used to do that quite a bit actually with stationary bikes. Mm-hmm. I would uh, go on and set it at a at kind of a medium kind of tension and then just like, you know, you push as hard as you can for twenty or thirty seconds. I mean, just ballistic, mm-hmm. and then you, then you try and rest for two or three minutes. And and you know it. it that's incredibly difficult, but uh, mm-hmm. but it's amazing how quickly you make improvements doing that. It, it is because the recovery phase, the two or three minutes where you're coasting in between the sprints. Let's say you do you start with four, you work yourself up to five, six, seven, eight of these little intervals. It's very aerobic in nature, the recovery. So although the sprint is very anaerobic and powerful, there's quite a bit of aerobic um, 
involvement. And, you know, no. I think we mentioned before, you'll get a extra mitochondrial density, more, you know, uh, fat-burning furnaces and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know. Yeah. No, I don't know. Me, I've just gotten older and smarter, I guess, and i got nothing to prove to anybody anymore. So, I mean, I don't do a ton of conditioning work. Like I said, I mean, it's like I, I used to do a crap load, and it was fun, and I was very competitive in it. Um, I'd try pushing my conditioning work and this and that, and now it's like, you know, yeah, I could do that, but why? It's, is that helping me get to where I want to go? You know, is that really going to make my 800-pound deadlift easier? And it's like, I don't, I don't need to prove to you that I can do more burpees than you can in five minutes. Right. You know, I'm going to prove to you I can pick up more weight than you can. Well, see, I've done that. I've it, ridden that ride. But that's know? where bodybuilding is. You get between a rock and a hard place because, yeah. Yeah. you know, at some point you you got to dig yourself out of the hole. And we've talked about this before, but if you're yeah. much over 20% body fat, mm-hmm. it's just going to suck. No, so the cardio not. is really just about fat removal as exactly. opposed to any kind of conditioning performance type thing. You know? Exactly. And I have none of that right now. But, you know, I know, you know, my goals are going to change here. I've already got a goal set for years from now where I'm going to, you know, aim to be the leanest I've ever been and the biggest I've ever been. And I know when that time comes around, I'm going to have to go to my old mainstays. And it's, you know, my big thing that I really like, and it's boring as hell and it's just hard, is the sled. You know, I'll hook on a sled and it's like, okay, Phil, you're walking for 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. But it's the only reason you quit is that it's hard. That's it. You know, or you're lazy. Gosh, isn't if it true? Always just keep going. The challenge of hard conditioning work is so different from mm-hmm. moving heavy weights. In some ways, lifting a heavy weight for five repetitions is easier. I hate to say yeah. that, but yeah. you know what I mean. From a from that sort of central exhaustion kind of point of view, I hate conditioning. Conditioning is just boring, and it's just, it's it's really it's you're the only reason you stop is that you're just mentally don't want to do it. Yeah. Conditioning is very mental. Like, I used to run a lot. I'd run an hour in the morning, an hour in the night, at night. And it was just, once you hit that stride, it's just, okay, just keep going. Because there's never a step that's, like, physically taxing. You know, that next stride isn't going to, oh, you're not going to fail. Right. <laughs> you, you, know, just have to, you just have to be mentally tough enough to, okay, I got 700 more strides to go. Yeah. You know, and, you know, with the sled, it's okay, keep going. It's just five more minutes. You know. Actually, something that we're talking about, we're sort of waffling back and forth, but something Rob said I think was interesting because there's one thing you could just say, listen, I'm going to go run a mile. You know, that's yeah. not excessive. I mean, it's going to be very intense if you weigh 300 frickin' pounds, yeah. you know, or even, you know, over anything over 200 probably on a regular size frame. Um, but then the flip side of that would be brief and intense. I, I tend to gravitate, maybe because of the way I lift, I'll like run a block, walk a block. Run a block, walk a block, yeah, you yeah. know, and it, it takes a little bit of that, um, like we were saying, that central, you know, um, exhaustive kind of brutality out of it, and, you know. But I, and I don't know if it, no, if, I, if that know, makes I, it worse or better, you know. But it, it, it gets her done, so it makes it more palatable. Yeah. But I mean, I struggle with it too because this is way back before when I was more on the physique side of things. And I was, I ran a lot. And this was before me and you were tight and friends, I guess. What, uh, yeah. I talked to you a bit and you were like, well, you should try walking with a vest. And this is when I was, you know, I was 80 pounds lighter than I am now. Um, but I went, stopped the running, started just walking 
And I ended up leaner and larger than I was when I was running. Oh, Phil, I am such a huge fan. My wife and I have done that. I, you know, Rob and I were talking the other day about doing that to get ready for competitions. It's much less jarring. You don't, you you don't get that triple your body weight hammering your knees with every step. And I ended up with more energy from my training, so my training was better. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, like I said, I ended up leaner and larger and I wasn't running. And it was like, oh, this is freaking great. So I think, I, don't think people give enough credit to just go out and walk. No, I think we're built to do it. I think humans evolved to walk pretty much all day long, not yeah. sit. And yeah. I know, Rob, you've even done that when you were gaining weight. You'd go out yeah. and do a little bit of pre-breakfast just walking just to kind of make sure the gains that were coming were a little bit less fatty, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you'd be amazed, too, and just go for a walk. It, it makes it more palatable to eat again, too. Yeah. Like if I've done, if I'm sitting on the couch and I'm just being lazy and I'm in that stage like I am now that I'm just have to eat a lot. If I just go move, it makes eating easier. Um, so yeah, it's part of the natural thing, you know. I mean, as far as uh, n- not to overblow this, but first of all, I think a lot of listeners may know this, but you burn more calories when you're outside than you do on a treadmill. Mm-hmm. But I just think, yeah, the fresh air. Yeah. Uh, you know, my mom used to uh, babysit little kids, and she'd say, you know, just take them outside for a while. The fresh air will just help them sleep. You know, they'll come yeah. in, they'll eat, and then they'll take a nap. And, I mean, that yeah. seems very conducive, right, to what we want. Yeah. So, you know. Oh, I'm a fan of outdoors. As much as I can get people outdoors, and I, that's I, luckily I have that benefit here. You know, we're on five acres, hopefully ten soon. And let's go outside. Yep. You know. Yeah. I, I would even suggest that this time of year, anytime the weather permits – Try to get yourself outside for a walk. You know, if you are concerned yeah. about keeping, you know, your leanness in a certain range, if that's part of your goal. If it's well, not would, free, yeah. if, you know, here in Ohio, if, if it's not freezing rain in my face, I, I'm going to give a serious thought about, you know, getting outside. Yeah. You know. I would push anybody, if they're looking to get lean, try it. Try adding, for starters, add an hour of walking a week and see what that does after a month. Yeah. Go from none to an hour, and it can be very. You can do it in four fifteen minute sessions. Mm-hmm. It pays off. You know? Yeah, it really does. I have known um, guys. Um, my friend, who's a, a bodybuilder, I used to old roommate of mine. His dad just walked. He would just walk. Now he 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 was probably worked up to maybe hour a day, you know. But he dropped like thirty yeah. pounds just walking. Yeah, well, just yeah. walking. You know. No, and that's what, when I lost. You know, my biggest loss was that I lost a hundred freaking pounds in like. Ten weeks. Um, it was when I was working construction. Yeah. And everybody's like, "Oh, construction's hard work." No, it really isn't. Construction is the thing about it that's hard is it's like conditioning work. You just go all day. Yes. It's you're never really hardly ever working at 100 percent capacity. You're working at 40 or 50 percent capacity, maybe, but you're doing it for eight hours straight. Right. And I, I shed freaking fat like yep. it was a bad habit. Yep. It's almost like that's one of those things where you almost got to eat just to keep your weight up. Yeah. You know, I did a little bit of landscaping like that, and it was the same kind of thing. You know, plant these trees, dig these holes, but then there's downtime in between. And But like you said, you string it over eight hours, and, you know, that's a lot of just physical just activity around. in general. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why I always lose weight when the weather gets nice. Like, I, I've just come to accept, okay, it's wintertime, I'm going to put on some pounds. And spring comes around, and I'm outside on my farm a lot more. Right. So I know... Okay, I'm gonna lean up. You know, it's it's just something natural that happens. I don't know. There's that theory out there that people that live in climates that don't do have seasons that we naturally hold more weight in the winter. Yeah, trust the cycle. I would go with that for sure. Rob, so, do you 
do you have any leanness goals, or are you in Phil's category where you just want to get as, as big as you can and you don't really care? Well, as I've kind of alluded to for the last few months, I'm kind of right in the middle of doing something that's career-oriented, that's kind of taken me away from you know, my true goals as far as a weight training enthusiast, but sure. certainly, uh, so that's kind of put a, a damper on you know my ultimate goal, which is, yeah, just to keep getting bigger and stronger, but yeah, it, um, I could see, foresee within a couple months I should be back to, uh, able to at least, to just keep going, you know, and, and, and yeah. just keep trying to get bigger and stronger. Having said that, um, yeah, I, I don't think I'm necessarily going to try and push much more for, uh, for, for just sheer bulk over the next couple of years. I mm-hmm. might do what we've talked about many times about kind of like forging the steel kind of a deal where you just kind of, just keep, keep working hard, getting stronger, and just trying to maximize my strength at the weight I'm at right now. Sort of uh, solidify what you've got. Exactly, which is kind of how I've done it for, well, for God, for decades now, and, and it seems to have worked quite well for me. So, yeah, yeah. Here's one for Rob, because you're you're a large mammal like I am. You're larger than me. This is the first time that my deadlift, like my deadlift, my go-to lift. It always feels great. Now I'm. 15 pounds heavier, and I'm the heaviest I've been since before I lost a ton of weight before I was into strength training. It, it's changed. Like, my deadlift feels weird now. Like, my setup's different and, and crap like that. Did your deadlift get affected when you uh, gained a bunch of weight? Oh, like yeah. setting up for it? Yeah. yeah I, no, I, I definitely think that, and we've talked about this many times, your, your deadlift is the one that's most dramatically affected in the acute sense. In a negative uh, way, um, you think? Yeah, I yeah. would. I would say in a yeah. lot of ways because because I can honestly like like I need the certain weight I have to yeah. lift to squat and bench what I do. Yeah, but I don't need. I don't necessarily need that weight to deadlift what I can. <laughs> if that makes exactly. sense. exactly, that's my setup has gotten harder. It's like God, it's hard to get down there in that position. <laughs> but my squat, my squat's great. The only thing that's bugging me there, and that's why I'm glad I've you know my next meet is October. So what's that? Eight months away. So my plan, I'm going to have eight months to get used to this weight before I have to do it at a high competition level, which is great for me. My squad feels awesome. Uh, the only thing that feels weird about it is my, I feel like my head's going to explode because of all the new pressure. But, um, mm-hmm. God, it feels light as hell. Um, I feel like I lift a Mack truck. Mm-hmm. But, and, and my pressing's coming along. But, yeah, it's, it's getting used, used to that new, new leverages in the... Yeah, absolutely. In the yeah. And moving around my new self. You know, oh, my, yeah, I'm taking you're... up... A whole nother zip code now, so. Yeah, we, oh, yeah, well, let's see. <coughs> how much do you weigh right now? Uh, getting close to 280. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you stand over the bar, I mean, you pull conventional, so. Yeah. When you get heavy, um, you know, even 10, 15, 20 pounds above what you might have been before can really, like you saying, shift the, the, the way it feels when you're just standing over the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why you, can, you, you do see a lot of guys who could deadlift a shitload of weight when they're a lot, lot lighter. Yeah. Uh, but those guys, again, as I was alluding to earlier, don't usually, that doesn't usually translate over to the squat and bench press as well. Yeah. Um, you know, you get this freak guy who's 165 pounds, he, he pulls like 630 or something. Yeah. Uh, but you know, but again, he bench presses, you know, like, you know, what, you know 250 and, which yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not trashy on that at all. I'm just, so. you know, I'm saying there's a huge disparage, you know, uh, oh, yeah. gulf I'm, between those lifts. So if you really want to be a big lifter in all three, across all three, you kind of just have to be big period. But, mm. uh, and certainly as we've again talked about in the past, there's, there's a, there's a point where you do have to just put on size, even when, yeah. even when while we're saying this about the deadlift, I mean, there is a point where that 165 pound guy 
you know, if he wants to maybe even bump it up 60, 70 pounds, yeah. might have to put 40 or 50 pounds on. No, I'm still confident in the fact that I think this weight I put on is going to help me get the 800 more than when I tried to do it at 262. Phil, you know, I think the psychology, and we are way off on a tangent here, but I, I think the psychology, when you stand over that 804, whatever it's going to be, somewhere in the back of your head, you're going to say, I'm a bigger man. Than exactly. The, than the last time I tried this. And exactly. that's just going to make you feel like you, like a mountain, you know? Yeah. It's going to be huge and, psychologically. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's just, uh, I, I don't, I don't think it's negative. I think it's just I have to get used to my new self and how to move it. <laughs> you know? I, I'm not used to my leverage change. Like a new bike. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, you know, it's like jumping in, I jump in my truck and I drive somebody else's truck and the brakes feel different and the steering feels different and this and that. You know, I'm, I've just jumped into a car. I don't know how to drive yet. Totally. So, but yeah, no, I just wanted to hit on that real quick. So, all right. All right, fellas. I'm going to go pick up heavy things. So do it. Get to, uh, yep. get to 290. There you go. And yeah, my buddy's pushing me to get to 300. I'm like, oh, I just got 280. Give me a little while. Yeah, so, yeah you're in three zip codes. Yeah, I know. Jeez. All right. Lonnie will, part of me will be over in Ohio. So. <laughs> Talk to you later. Phil, Phil is spilling into Ohio. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Later. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications, and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the -the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best this is the ultimate source in one place little disclosure here i do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book it's such a low amount however obviously i've done it for that purpose i did it because like you i want to have something i can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what a, perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns if there are any on Ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.